This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I mean, when I was in Spain, we saw lips slapping. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacy Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacy's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season five, episode six of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Norman Mailer, I'm Pregnant. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Family. These were pretty good. They were fine ones. Yeah, they were fine. They were fine. We're in the middle of the beginning of the season. We've done some good ones. They're throwing in some fine ones. Yeah. But I still had a good time. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Quick update on our apartment. Someone drew a dick on our door. Uh, Yeah, someone did. Do you have any theories as to why that might have happened, Brian? I can't think of any, honestly. Do you think it maybe has something to do with the woman you chased through the building? The bad woman who was trying to con our neighbors out of money? Yes, it probably was her. She had a pen. If you didn't listen to last week's episode... Brian chased a con artist through our building and yelled at her. She's trying to, con- I mean, I looked this up. It's like a common thing that they do. She's like trying to like scam people out of money. So now there's a dick on her door. It's um not huge, but it's it's there. Yeah, it made me feel good about the size of my dick. I was like, I'm much bigger than this dick. That's what she's used to. <laughs> she was like, this is a massive dick. I'm like, lady, <laughs> no, it is not. Yeah, um, I don't really know how to get rid of it because we can't just go to our super and be like, could you paint over the dick on our door? <laughs> But he knows it's there. I'm sure he lives across from us. It's not like I feel like you have to look like I didn't notice it when I went to get groceries. I didn't yeah. notice it until you saw it. Well, we have another exciting announcement. There's this a is... vagina on our window. <laughs> <laughs> Just a naturally occurring one. It's weird. Yeah. No, uh, we have received an advanced copy of the Gilmore Girls official cookbook. Yeah, we got the Gilmore cookbook. This is cool. It's very cool. It's got like pictures from the show and the prose of it was written by like a humor writer. So it, it's very funny to read. It's very cute. I'm excited to try the recipes in it. Yeah, you had to edit the book so that I could read some of it. You were like, this yes. has to be redacted. First, they sent us a digital copy in like a PDF. So I deleted a bunch of the pages so you could look at it. Yeah, I'm sure there's like uh, Logan proposes pancakes or something in the middle of there that I didn't get to see. But I was excited by what I could see. Yeah, we definitely are going to try some recipes and make some videos for you guys. If we haven't already, this is not an ad, but I'll put the link in the episode description where you can go on Amazon and buy the book. Yeah. It's not an ad. We haven't tried it yet. Yeah, we haven't tried it yet as of this recording. But it's kind of cool. It's organized into like Suki section and like Luke's Diner section and like snacks from the Gilmore House section. It's it's cool. I'm impressed with it so far. So we do have a copy. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions about it. Speaking of Gilmore Girl books, I want to give a shout out to our listener, Sammy, who so generously gifted me a copy of Lauren Graham's audiobook. That's nice. Yeah, I was talking about how I hadn't read it yet, and I really want to. It's called Talking As Fast As I Can. If you haven't heard of it, she reads her own audiobook, and it's about her experience on Gilmore Girls. This just happened like a day ago, so I haven't started it yet, but I'm very excited to. I'm sure some of you have heard of it. If not, check it out. Again, not an ad, just things I'm excited about. Also, you should use Postmates.com for all of your stamp needs. They provide all sorts of different stamps for companies, large and small, and for individual use. This is not an ad. This That is an ad, but we are not sponsored by them. Postmates, please. I don't know what you do. 
but give us money. <laughs> I don't think they do stamps. That's stamps.com. <laughs> Postmates <laughs> delivers like food and shit. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why Postmates won't pay for me because I get it wrong. They won't pay for you. Speaking of kind fans, we have a couple more five-star reviews. Nice. Thank you so much to Kunzi and Felipe23104. Thank you. And of course, Wink.com. We love it. The link's in the bio. Drink it Sunday night. Yes. We won't go into it this time. If you're interested, again, send us a message and ask a question. We don't have room for that ad since we did that Postmates ad. Postmates. Bringing you pizza whenever you're hungry. That They may actually do that. Yeah. Postmates. Making sure your oven's working. <laughs> All right. Should we get into episodes, BMO? Let's do it. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us all about Norman Mailer. I'm pregnant. Okay, so this episode is about Rory getting into a relationship with an older writer named Norman Mailer. She (laughs) sleeps with him one time, ends up pregnant. It throws everybody into, like, crazy turmoil. It's it's bad. It's it's another bad Rory decision. I mean, no, that wasn't right. No, you're right. That was a fever dream I had. So this episode is Too about... much wink.com. <laughs> now, this episode is about... Well, it's about a couple of things. It's about Rory working on the paper and, like, trying to get a good story published. The episode's also about Suki having some issues with uh, the Dragonflies Inn's lunch. Yes. This episode starts with Luke observing the idiosyncratic, eccentric craziness that is Lorelai every day at her house. Yeah. For instance, she heats up her socks in the stove. She follows a sock heating recipe. so She thinks her stove is broken because they're not hot enough. She also refuses to change her porch light because it's icky and she doesn't want to get hand to mouth to moth disease. So instead of changing the light bulb, she just leaves her Jeep lights on all night. She even timed it so they won't die. She'll have time the next day to recharge them while driving. This seems so weird. It's kind of fun. It's just like Lorelai going about her business thinking it's not weird and Luke pointing out that everything absolutely is. Yeah. Just illustrating Lorelai's the kind of gal that does things a little differently. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so silly. And like, it's funny because like we've said this before, but Lucas is kind of like a no nonsense sort of guy. You know, if something is like crazy or silly, he just doesn't like it. And Lorelai's like a whole goddamn personality is like... Look how crazy I am. <laughs> like, yeah. Look how unique and quirky I am. She's also got an attitude that's like, screw you if you think I'm weird. Yeah. And Luke is trying to process this without like making snide comments. You could tell it's just like not in his nature. Uh, he even at some point says like, you know, I can never pick you up here again. <laughs> so she's searching for her keys throughout the entire house and she finds them eventually stuck in the completely open kitchen back door. They're, like, in a hurry, so she just, like, drapes some towels over them so, like, burglars won't think that there's keys in there, I guess. <laughs> it's it's absurd. Also, side note for this scene, she mentions to Luke, like, have you seen the Mothman prophecy? And she's like, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, what? Yeah, what? what? So he hasn't seen it with her because she would have remembered. Exactly. He is watching very specific movies alone. Yeah, like, the show has gone out of its way to say that Luke doesn't really like movies. Like, he'll go to movies on dates... And maybe he's into some sci-fi movies because he references The Matrix. But he's also, like, he's so not into movies, he's never seen a home VHS tape until Lorelai showed him one, like, last season. And he saw The Mothman Prophecies? I haven't seen The Mothman Prophecies, and I'm into horror. I have, but I don't remember it. Anyway, crazy. Crazy. At the Yale paper, Paris is interrogating Rory because she had a dream that Rory was going to try to steal her religious beat. She doesn't believe that Rory wants to have features, which is insane. 
features is way, way, way more desirable than any newspaper's religious beat. We've set up Paris likes religious debate. I know, but like, I get that she wants it, but like, Rory definitely would prefer features. Like, the religious beat wouldn't probably have an article in most issues, and if it did, it would more than likely be like a buried section of the paper, unless there was some like big scandal. Features are featured. That's why they're called features. Yeah. It's silly to be like, I don't believe you that you want the most interesting part of the paper. No, of course she does. She's just being paranoid. Doyle in this scene is just like low-key, passive-aggressive pissed at Glenn because Glenn got one of his stories published by the New York Times. Doyle is congratulating Glenn through like clenched teeth and giving him very uh, quote-unquote friendly pats on the back very hard. Yeah. I love that Glenn keeps name-dropping famous newspaper people that I've definitely never heard of, but he's doing it in a way that's like, oh my god, this person's so annoying, but they're so famous. I'm so frustrated. I have to deal with them all the time. Yeah, he's all like, uh, RW, Apple's calling me again. Ugh. And then later he's like, you know, Maureen Dowd told me, blah, blah, blah. But she doesn't know anything. She's just a big flirt. <laughs> what? All that was super funny, yeah. Glenn had a big summer. Yeah, apparently. It's funny, though, because I feel like he does downplay his article being published. Like, he's not trying to brag about it, but he does keep name dropping. <laughs> Wasn't he the cartoonist? Yeah. He also gets the crime beat, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know what he does. Side note, he did a story about the anarchist cookbook, which is a real thing. I don't know the whole history, but when I was, like, 15, I, like, found this on the internet and was able to pirate it, okay, and I printed it off. Me and some friends did. I don't know. We just thought it was cool. Like, teach you how to make, like, Molotov cocktails and, like, homemade bombs and stuff. Whoa, okay. We don't want you to go to jail. Brian didn't do this, guys. Well, I, so someone did. Uh, that wasn't me. <laughs> Statue of limitations, maybe? But, well, I don't think it's illegal to own this book. Okay. It's, but I. You did make I, a lot of bombs. Yeah, and we killed a lot of people. Um God. I think it's no, fine we that did we're not. joking. <laughs> we literally made, no, like, I, I remember we printed it. It was like, oh, my God, we have this thing. And then I don't know what happened to it, and we never did anything with it. It was like, it was actually me and some other Boy Scouts. It's, anyway, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone needed it, we were just like, how do you start fires? We don't know. Eagle Scouts. Well, they're not all Eagle Scouts. Only I became an Eagle Scout. I'm out so of that sorry. Group. I don't know the Scout law. Well, you don't, you don't, okay. Well, Eagle Scout's a big deal. I'm one, no big deal. Um, That's what they all say. Dated more than one Eagle Scout, trust me. Oh, uh, well, I, yeah, no, nah, never mind. <laughs> my point was that I don't know what happened to it, but like, I for sure feel like my name is like on a government list somewhere. <laughs> like, well, it is you now. downloaded it. Well, yeah, I did just say this into a podcast, so. There's a big asterisk. Claims to be comedian, though. <laughs> Rory says they should be happy for him, but Rory actually feels like she's lagging behind everybody else. While Doyle and Glenn were working on their newspaper careers over the summer, she was just gallivanting in Europe with her grandmother and all those randy European men. Lorelai calls and tells Rory that she's gonna be okay. She knows she's fallen behind, but she fell behind in Chilton, and then, you know, she hit a deer and everything worked out okay. <laughs> I thought that was such a funny line. And then you hit a deer and everything worked out. I love that. The show doesn't do that like Buffy does, where it like references old jokes from episodes. Right. But this time it did. Yeah. Like it has, but not very often. Rory goes on to say like, it's going to be tough and she's going to have to work constantly and like extra hard, which I think honestly is setting up her eventual breakup with Dean because they're just, she's just not going to have the time to see Dean. And I think he's going to cheat on her. That's what I think is going to happen. Whoa. That's what I think. With who? I don't know that we've met the person, but I'm hoping it's Lindsay and he ends up back with Lindsay because then they could just both leave the show. That's my hope. Okay. Prophecy noted. 
while all of this is happening and she's on the phone, Luke is like trying to fix Lorelai's oven, you know, because it didn't bake her socks correctly. <laughs> and Lorelai keeps laughing every time he like bangs his head. She's pretending he's doing a bit. But anyway, Rory mentions that Lorelai sounds really happy. And Lorelai's like, yeah, I am. And the implication here being that she and Luke are doing really well. And Rory notices this. It seems Rory has forgiven him, at least mostly for how he acted with Dean. I don't know if she's actually forgiven him, but she wants her mom to be happy at least. Of course. Later, Doyle dishes out different assignments, different beats. Rory gets the features, and Paris gets the religious beat like she wanted. Her reaction is super funny. She pretends she didn't even give it any thought. Just, like, nonchalantly accepts it. Like, huh, okay, religious beat, all right. Yeah, Paris's bit the whole episode is just jokes about this religion beat, and it's all very funny. Yeah. So Rory and Paris are both happy. Rory runs some ideas for stories past Doyle, who seems unimpressed, when Logan strolls in. Remember Logan from not remembering Marty's name? <laughs> Is that the only other time we've seen him? I think so, yeah. I guess he was just in that episode twice, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, he just enters, just snogging some rando girl goodbye, you know, like you do. I tried to look and see if it was the same girl that he had his arm around in the other episode, and I think it could be. They're not very different if they are different. And you really don't get a good look at her in this one. But they're very similar. Also, listen, like, it's been a while since I've been to college. Uh But I don't remember, like, all this making out, like, in front of people in college. And, like, in high school in Chilton, like, Tristan was just, like, slapping lips with that other girl, like, in the the locker. I feel like I slapped some lips in public in high school. You slapped some lips in public? Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, when I was in Spain, we saw lips slapping, but I didn't see it here. You asked about Logan having his arm around that girl in the other episode. Yes. I put some thought into that. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when we shot that commercial that probably never came to fruition for Kiko Man teriyaki sauce? Absolutely. (laughs) Brian played a wealthy, fancy man whose poor neighbor was jealous of him because he had Kiko Man teriyaki marinade and the poor man didn't. And I played his wife. But the people who made the commercial also thought it might be a good idea to show that Brian was a fancy, wealthy man by just having him surrounded by random women. Yeah. And the random women were like, do we have to, like, hold him, though? We just met him. Like, can we not touch? It wasn't not touch. It was he asked them for one shot to kiss on the cheek. Yes. And the girl was like, uh, I'm like I'll married. touch this man. But but also it put me in a weird position. So I was like, I, just so everyone knows, I did not ask for a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> like, right, right. I am here as a favor to this man. Yeah, this was like a very, it was for like a contest. It wasn't an official commercial or anything. Right. But my point is, I think that woman in that episode was maybe just to illustrate that like, Logan's always hanging out with hot chicks, as was your harem of women in this commercial. Logan's got a harem? God damn it, man. I don't know. I didn't say he had a harem. He might just have women that want to hang around. It, but since it maybe is the same woman, maybe it is supposed to be his girlfriend. I don't know. I'm not jealous. Now that we have all these wigs, it's kind of like I have a harem. <laughs> <laughs> Rory's hair is about to look like my real hair in a minute, so we don't need as many. Support us on Patreon if you want more wigs, guys. Please? (laughs) Listen, I want to expand my harem. I feel like that blonde wig we got is going to get a lot of use. Seems like it's a real heavy Logan Spike season so far. Yeah, I really want to fuck you when you're pretending to be Spike or Logan. (laughs) (laughs) No, that one's for me. (laughs) Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, Logan comes in, big power move, just like making out with this girl that he's essentially gotten a headlock. (laughs) Then just like walks over to a desk and is like, oh, my desk and sits down. Doyle comes over and Logan's like, yeah, back to work on the paper, but not like really work. He's there to like hang out and say he worked. He says it's only for the pretty picture in his father's head. 
we find out his father's like a big newspaper mogul that owns a ton of newspapers. Doyle seems rather nervous about Logan. And when Logan mentions Rory's name, Doyle like rushes over to Rory's desk and is like, you're not friends with him, right? He's garbage. Logan took last year off so he could yacht around the world, but then just ended up sinking that yacht and then had his father like send a plane for him when he was done partying. Doyle's like, I hate this dude. And I hate that I have to suck up to him all of the time. He says he hates privileged white man. Correction, more privileged than him, white man. Yeah, Rory's like, you're privileged, dude. He's like, yeah, but he's more privileged. Also, though, Doyle is like stage whispering all of this Logan hate, like three feet from Logan. There's just like no chance Logan can't hear them or at least know they're talking about him. In fact, he was like in the middle of a conversation with Doyle when Doyle like ran away (laughs) to shit on him two feet away. Yeah, it's clear Doyle like hates him, but also wants him to like him. Yeah, but it's not clear if that's because of his father or influence or why. I don't know that he... I think probably because of his dad. If he owns a bunch of papers, it seems like priority one for Doyle is working for an important paper. Yeah, Logan seems like he's just going to be there to goof off. I think that's pretty clear. Like, when Doyle's done talking to Rory, Logan, like, pulls out this, like, 20s reporter press hat that somebody must have made. He's, like, had in his desk and puts it on and pretends to be, like, typing away a story. It's a good bit. Rory's big story idea is to do one on illegal song downloads. She calls Dean to run her ideas past him, and he tells her that unfortunately he has to cancel their date tomorrow because he's got to work, thanks to Dosi's desire to cash in on the 24-hour Highway 84 trucker crowd. All this is, like, pretty funny. Like, the whole store is, like, trucker-themed now. They have an icy machine, one of those gross hot dog machines where you've got to, like, pierce the hot dogs on a rotate. It's fucked up. And they have a nacho machine. Dean's wearing a cowboy hat, which suits him, by the way. Well, yeah, because he's Walker, Texas Ranger now. Is he? Yeah. What? Yeah. Dean is Walker, Texas Ranger? Jared Padalecki is. Wow, I didn't know that. For like a good five, ten seconds, Dean's just wearing a cowboy hat with no explanation. We're like, what the fuck? (laughs) And there's just cowboy music playing. (laughs) Rory and Dean realize, though, that their schedules won't line up for like at least two weeks. Which, again, I think is another seed for they're going to break up because they can't make time for each other. I wonder if Dean's going to go back to school now that he doesn't have to buy a townhouse. I mean, he should. That's what Rory was like pressuring him to do. Pressuring him in a positive way. Bill, he's got to go stir the cheese for now. Yeah, he's like the cheese will become like solid if I don't. Paris is working hard on her religious speech. She's on the phone demanding people leave their phones on during services so she can call them for fact checks. She also mentions to Rory that Rory must have found a new angle on that illegal downloading story because these stories are always so dull and ubiquitous. And Paris isn't being mean here. I feel like she really thinks that Rory has found a new angle. But I feel like that's the first time Rory realizes that like maybe her story is pretty derivative and like not exciting at all. This has happened kind of before, although it wasn't Paris as the mouthpiece. But that time in high school where they were both going to like write about Hillary Clinton and someone mm-hmm. was like, only idiots write about Hillary Clinton. Paris's religious beat stuff is really funny. Like at some point later, she feels sick and she's like, oh, I feel like I had some bad host. That like cracked me up so much. Host is, if you're not religious or, or Christian or I don't know what Catholics do. I'm not Catholic. Yeah, I didn't know this term and I grew up Christian. Yeah, so host is when they give you communion, they give you crackers or bread and they're like, this is the body of Christ. And like it, the idea is that it becomes Christ's actual body when you digest it. What is the situation she's found herself in where she's doing that? She's Jewish. Yeah, I don't know. So Rory's like a little unsure about her story. And later, when she's interviewing a song pirate student, 
Uh, I just want to point out he's a student who downloads music. He's not a downloading music student. <laughs> That's not his major. It is. It uh, might be. He said his goal is to get all of it. Yeah. He's a little nuts for pirating music. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He actually downloads some stuff. He's like, yeah, I hate this, but I want to get it all. He keeps saying booyah. Yeah, booyah, booyah. He sort of confirms for her, like, all the stuff Paris said. Like, CD sales are up this year, and he even buys CDs. So, like, is downloading music illegal actually hurting the business? So it's sort of like this question that no one has an answer for. And this guy's, like, literally parroting back all of the things Paris already told Rory. So she's like, realizes her story's shitty and just, like, goes to the bathroom to collect her thoughts and be depressed. When this drunk woman comes in wearing a gorilla mask, she came in to fix her makeup, which is very important to do when you're wearing a gorilla mask (laughs) when she leaves she doesn't put it back on and rory follows her out and sees her get into like a fancy suv and then say right before she gets in in omnia paratus which is latin for ready for anything and she's all like hmm if she had a beard she would be stroking it like she's thinking but she doesn't have a beard she doesn't so maybe she's got a lead on a story we'll find out later next time on later in this episode This episode also features a real-life famous author and playwright, Norman Mailer. And you seem to have done some research on him? I have. So this guy is, like, famous author, tons of famous best-selling books. He also helped pioneer the new journalism movement. Hmm. And Lorelai mentions that Rory would love to meet him, but I'm surprised they didn't, like, have her meet him. I feel like it's super relevant to her career and job. Yeah, she's very busy. Yeah, Also, this guy, he's been married six times, and he stabbed his second wife a couple times. He stabbed her more than once, or he stabbed her twice in one stab sesh? It was one stab sesh. Okay. Twice. I feel like one stab isn't forgivable, but it's like, I don't know, maybe you slipped. But like two stabs is like, oh, you were going for stabs. Mm -hmm. Six times. I feel like we talked about this. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad about anything. I feel like if you get a divorce, it happens. You know what I mean? You married too young. You married, You didn't know your partner. Whatever. Two times. Same thing. It was a different reason this time, but maybe it's not your fault. But when you're like the fifth wife and you're like, yeah, I heard you also stabbed one of your other previous wives. Yeah. I mean, his books must have been goddamn great. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, and he's not. He's old, but maybe he was very attractive. I think he was all right. He wasn't that bad when I look at the old photos. Okay. Definitely had stabbing arms. So mm. it's just crazy. I don't know. But any whose ways, he's taken a liking to the Dragonfly Inn's restaurant, which excites Lorelai because she thinks it'll attract more people. We got this famous guy that hangs out there reading every day. But Suki doesn't like this guy because he's taking up a four-top table, not ordering any food. He's only ordering iced tea. And he's also being interviewed by some, I guess, reporter or biographer. It's not quite clear. Just every day. And they don't order any food. And lunches have been slow. So she's pissed. Suki tries to get Norman and the guy interviewing him to order some lunch, but they aren't interested. Like, she goes out of her way. She's like, it's stump the chef day. You can order literally anything. If I don't know how to make it, like, you get your lunch free. But they're just like, no. In fact, could we just get some more lemons for the iced tea? Which just, like, super pisses her off. He seems like a dick. He's kind of a dick to the interviewer. Yeah, he is. I feel like he's a dick. And things only get worse when Suki's lunches get threatened. The Inn has hired some sort of financial consultant named Anne to help them keep their costs down and keep them on track to make profits eventually. Anne says that they're doing very well for their first year, but, you know, they haven't started really making a profit yet, and suggests that they should temporarily stop serving lunch until business picks up, because they have a full staff on, but no one's coming in. Sugi obviously hates this idea. She, like, blames Norman Mailer and also says that Anne hates her. And poor Anne is all like, I, I don't hate you. I, I, don't, I don't hate Suki. <laughs> like, Anne seems very nice. Michelle in this scene also is, like, 
trying to say like, I should be able to write off my clothes, right? Is business expense because I need to be looking good when the customers see me? She's like, no, you, you can't. <laughs> Later that night, we see Lorelai coming out of Dosey's wearing a cowboy hat. Are they just selling them now? <laughs> yeah, I guess they are. And she's like carrying a huge icy and an enormous bowl of nachos. <laughs> She gets a call and then just like struggles for like a minute to answer her phone with all that stuff in her hands. It's all honestly like very, just the visual is like super, super funny. Yeah, because that's kind of all we hear about the trucker situation at Dosey's. And just to like see Lorelai taking part in it is really funny. Yeah. And surprise, the phone call is from Christopher. Remember him from disappointing Gilmore fans in season one? I can't believe he's been gone so long. He wasn't in season four at all. No, he wasn't. And he wasn't helping Sherry. I know, he's been so busy not raising Gigi, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, what is he doing? He's traveling for work. I don't know what he does. He loves having daughters and leaving them. Yeah. Anyway, so she gets a call from Christopher. Christopher is really riding the struggle bus right now because his baby Gigi won't stop crying or sleep or eat. Sherry is mysteriously out again, and Chris needs help. So Lorelai is like, all right, and she just drives to Boston? It's unclear where he lives because, uh, spoilers, Rory goes to see him later too, real quick. Boston, I think, is like three hours away. I mean, I think both times are like nighttime, so maybe traffic's not bad, but like, unless he moved at some point, but I doubt it. Also, it's just like, she won't sleep, she won't stop crying. I'm like, okay, but will she in the next three hours, you think? Because... <laughs> right. Call the police or something. Because <laughs> that's a six-hour round trip for me right now. So Lorelai just drops everything, not literally, because that she's carrying so much in the scene. Yeah. Uh, and she drives to Boston. I mean, I guess she's got all of her long-haul trucker gear, so she's ready for this trip. <laughs> Lorelai shows up and immediately goes into mom mode. And then she tells Christopher to go take a shower. He hasn't slept in days. And you can just tell in the scene that she does love him. I don't mean, like, she wants to leave Luke for Christopher, but, like, I just... You can just tell by the way her heart goes out to him and, like, empathizes with him, like, so quickly and fully. I don't know. They always... You've mentioned that they have chemistry, and they just do. Yeah. He finally admits to her that Sherry is not out, but in Paris. Yeah, she keeps asking, and he keeps avoiding the question. Finally, he tells her. He says that he came home from a business trip one day to a note saying that Sherry had taken a job in Paris. She would put her career on hold for two years while he was mostly traveling for work. And now it was Chris's turn to take care of Gigi. She said she was she had to do this for her. Wow. And yeah, that's crazy. I feel like it's crazy to just leave someone with a baby. Yeah, but I mean, they did kind of set up that she maybe didn't want a baby. First they set up she absolutely did. And then they pivoted hard and she was like questioning it. Or at least they made it seem like she wouldn't be a good mom. Yeah. So it's not totally out of left field that she would do this. Like her friends all are very career. Right. But it is a huge thing. But also, how old is this baby? Two years old, right? Well, uh, it was born like mid-season three. So so like two just, years old. Just under two, yeah. Are two-year-olds still in cribs? They can be. They set up that she's like climbing out of it. She can walk for sure. Yeah, except that Lorelai turns it around and it's like, now babies can't get out. No, I mean, it was like pretty low well, on the one Aren't two-year-olds side. like talking? Yeah. It just, it seems like it was very baby baby, not like two-year-old baby. She's like a toddler. She's like a, I would say she's not quite two, because that was like mid-season three. We're still early season five. Fuck Sherry, honestly. Like, that's terrible. Like, even if Christopher was like an absentee bad dad, which I'm, he seems to admit that he was traveling for a lot, so was maybe not there for her. But it's crazy to just be like, I've made a huge life decision without you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
again, we only get his side of it, but he does admit that he was, you know, traveling a lot for work. It's different than him not being there for Rory. We still don't exactly know, like, why he wasn't there for Rory. Right. Like, what he was doing that time instead. But he was still with Sherry. Yeah. And supporting the baby. It wasn't like he was not trying to be part of it. He just seemed like he had to travel for work. Right. Chris sort of starts to break down here a bit. He's just like, he insists that he just, like, cannot raise Gigi by himself. Even though Lorelai did the same thing when she was 16, he justifies that by being like, yeah, you're, like, a superhero and, like, way stronger than me. But she, like, insists that, like, you know, she has faith in him. He can do this. He's like, all right. She's like, go take a shower. I'm going to order some food. Like, we'll fix you up and, you know, you're, you're going to be able to do this. He does admit in this scene a couple of things that, like, you know, aren't you tired of, like, fixing my problems and cleaning up my messes? And, like, you know, he knows he hasn't always been there for Lorelai or for Rory and stuff. So he he seems like, I don't know, he doesn't seem like a villain or anything here. Yeah, he seems, like, very defeated that he had to do this. Yeah. On the one hand, it's cool because he's like, obviously, I'm being shitty and I know it. But it also just makes him seem kind of pathetic and sad. Yeah. I want to say this, too. How did you feel about this? I feel like this scene had a bit of sexual tension in it. Yeah. Like, she makes a joke about his no-shower look getting her hot. Which yeah. I feel like is like a like, kind of a weird thing to say to somebody who you don't have any kind of interest in. Well, I don't think that they don't have interest in each other. I think just life has kept them apart. Well, I, but you know what I mean? Like, if there was somebody I could never be with for lots of reasons, I wouldn't drop stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then she also says something about how she looks good in a cheerleader skirt. It's a joke, but it's still, like, a little linger of, like, sexual something there. They also, like, have had sex recently. I know. I just, it's one of those things, like, like I don't know. Like, Angel and Buffy can't have sex. And so they're not going to be talking about stuff that's going to turn them on around each other because they know they can't have sex. Right. But I mean, if Lorelai and Christopher did have sex, Luke would be mad, but the world wouldn't end. (laughs) Would for Luke. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Anyway, I'm sure this story is going to have a happy ending and everyone's great. Yeah, probably. Back at the Yale paper, Doyle just storms up to Paris's desk and just starts listing all of the local religious leaders who are upset with her and finally complains. And then surprisingly says, Geller, way to go. He loves (laughs) it. He loves that she's doing this. She stole some person's flip-flops yeah. to, like, prove a point or something. To- <laughs> At first, she denied it, too. She was like, he's a liar. I told him someone was going to steal them. <laughs> and then Doyle's like, don't you dare get back those flip-flops. She's like, of yeah. course not. They fit so well. Yeah, it's perfect. And obviously, they're going to fall in love. Doyle and Paris. Paris and the religious figure she stole the flip-flops from. Yeah, I mean, they're sharing clothes. I mean, the next step is dating. <laughs> Rory. <laughs> first base for you is sharing clothes. No, first base is titty touch. <laughs> Isn't first Second, base making out? No, first base is titty touch. Second base is sharing shoes. Shoes? Third base is dating. <laughs> okay. How many bases do you think there are? Uh, there's 17 bases, okay? <laughs> and the first base is titty, titty touch. touch. Keep going, keep going. I know, and then fourth base is... <laughs> Oh, you mean with this? Okay, yeah. Yes. The podcast. If you want to know the rest of the bases, we'll make a YouTube video. I have a diagram. It's very complicated. Rory tells Doyle that she's dropping her song story. Doyle's like, yeah, I didn't like it. It sounded dumb. (laughs) He's like, I almost fell asleep when you were pitching it to me. And she pitches him a new one. She thinks that Gorilla Mask Girl from the previous night is part of a secret Yale society dating back to the 1800s. She even finds a 1996 article from the Yale Daily News about whether or not that society actually existed. It's called the Life and Death Brigade. I guess it's an improv troupe. Doyle has heard of that. (laughs) That's funny to some people. Uh, (laughs) 
like four people. <laughs> yeah, those four people really like it. Amy, do you listen? Do you listen to the cast? <laughs> Nobody calls it a cast. <laughs> we do. People call it a pod. Nobody calls it a cast. Sorry, I said pod so Midwestern. It's a pod. We should record the podcast. We're getting way off gate. Uh, getting We're getting way, way off, off game. <laughs> We're getting way off base, guys. We're on second base right now. Got my shoes on. Let's keep going. Doyle has heard of this group and only knows that they're like super, super elusive and that the paper has tried to track them down, but they've never been able to do it. So now it's time for Friday night dinner and we're going to get a unique Friday night dinner. Lorelai and Rory arrive to find out that Emily and Richard are MIA. Emily is at a children's hospital benefit and Richard is out of town. Nobody remembered to tell them not to come. Right. And I, I, this is like unbelievable to me. Richard, 100%. I 100% Richard, I could see forgetting. He's For just that sure. kind of guy. He does not pick up on details and stuff like that. 100% he would forget. But Emily is 100% the type to never forget something like that. If someone did this to Emily, she would be furious. And they're on like pretty good terms right now, I would say. Yeah. All of them are. I mean, not Emily and Richard, but everyone yeah. else individually. And you'd think she would call them and be like, hey, no Friday night dinner. It's crazy that she wouldn't think that. It's something she looks forward to every Friday. I just want to point out that when Lorelai gets there, she makes a joke that they're there to see Halston and Liza. There was recently like a Ryan Murphy show about the life of Halston, the fashion designer, and Kelly Bishop, who plays Emily, was in it. Oh, interesting. Fun fact over. So the girls decide to get crazy and just order a pizza for a Friday night dinner and eat it on the floor with their shoes off and not use coasters. It's absurd. I couldn't. Wow. Just unreal. It does sound fun. Apparently the rug's very soft. Yeah. Uh, while they're there, Lorelai dishes some goss and tells Rory that Sherry left Chris and then goes on to talk about Christopher, maybe a little too whimsically, because you can see that Rory has taken ever so slightly aback with just the way Lorelai's talking about Christopher. Right. She's like, you went over there? Lorelai says she's going to go back on Monday just to check in on that, make sure everybody's okay, maybe go to second base. Which is sharing shoes. Yeah, it's not a big of a deal. Uh, if you skip base one, it's not a big deal. But if you look close during the scene, like Roy takes like a deep breath when she says that she's going back. And she's like, oh, well, you know, that's very nice of you. I feel like at my first viewing, it wasn't clear to me that Rory was like bothered by this. Oh, really? I thought it was so clear. In my head, it was just sort of just like she was maybe mad about the situation and like maybe mad at Sherry. I think I also had read that in this episode, she was going to go tell Christopher what she thought. So maybe I was prepped for it. But I don't know. I thought there was all the focus was on Rory's disapproving phase. Rewatching it, I definitely saw that. But my first time through, it seemed like she was more like, oh, the situation? Mm, sure. Interesting. But maybe that was just me being dumb. No, it's your first time. I, I know all the things. Rory goes back to Yale to do some, like, research. I, I don't know. I guess she's looking up old Yale Daily News articles. She finds an old one about a man named Huntsberger being in the group. And we know that Logan's last name is Huntsberger, too. So the next day, she tracks down Logan and confronts him about the story. She thinks that he's part of the organization because his grandfather was, so his father probably was, so he probably is. She offers him the opportunity to give his side of the story before she publishes this thing. He denies knowing anything about it. She's like, okay, no big deal. I'll just track you until you lead me to it. He seems fine with that. Maybe even a bit suggestive about tracking him. And then he just, like, walks off. He also does this, like, shit-eating smile. I hate it. I hate his smile. I hate it. It's so charming. It's not, I want Jess's crooked smile. <laughs> this smile is too symmetrical. I hate it. Whether or not you like it, I feel like he does it well. Like, 
it's what they want him to do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this shit-eating grin is, like, perfect for the character he's playing right now. Mm-hmm. At the end, Lorelai is showing some people different, like, hiking spots, and she's like, oh, there's a beautiful, like, reservoir or whatever over here, and then she has to take a phone call, and Michelle takes over, and he's like, yeah, and then you can come over here to this semi-polluted lake that opens up to a rattlesnake curve where people have died painful but picturesque deaths. It's all (laughs) super funny. Yeah. Lorelai has to confront Suki about lunch. Because Suki went ahead and hired Kirk to go stand outside Luke's advertising the Dragonfly Inn's lunches. He was supposed to be dressed as a quiche, but he said that made him look fat, so he dressed up as a wiener, like a big hot dog. And it's pretty funny, like, Lorelai drags him away, and he's like, this is as fast as I can go in this. (laughs) Luke's pissed. Yeah, Luke isn't happy about it. Lorelai is mad at Suki, and she's like, that's it, we're stopping lunch. Uh, Effective immediately, we just don't have the money for it. Suki's not happy about that, so she just walks out into the lunchroom and tells Norman Mailer that lunch is canceled and, like, grabs his tea. She's like, so no more tea for you. Lorelai gives him back the tea, and Lorelai walks Suki back into the kitchen where Suki acknowledges that she's acting crazy and being irrational, and she just, like, can't help it and doesn't know what's wrong, and then realizes it's because she's pregnant. So now she's excited. She runs out and hugs Norman Mailer and tells him that she's pregnant, hence the title. Almost every episode straight up says the title this season. I don't think they all have. Did they get a note somewhere about this or something? I don't know. Written in the stars didn't, but that was clearly about the horoscope. Yeah. Back at Yale, Rory gets an instant message. Remember instant messages? Yeah, like an AIM. Yeah. AOL instant message. Yeah. Someone's sliding into her DMs, as you would say these days. And this slider is Logan. He says he'll give her the inside scoop on her story if she agrees to some conditions. And she's like, what conditions? He's like, one of the conditions is uh, you don't get to know the conditions. And she just types, I'm in. And then he Batmans. Yeah, then she turns around, he's gone. So I don't know, maybe we're going to find out Logan's been dead for a decade or something. <laughs> he's a ghost boy. Yeah. Lorelai goes back to Luke's to apologize for what Kirk did. And he's really annoyed. And she's like, why are you so mad still at me? He's like, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm just bugged. And then he points... <laughs> He's bugged because now Norman Mailer is taking up a table at his place and only ordering iced tea. I thought that was a pretty funny button for the storyline. Yeah. And Lorelai doesn't really explain it. Yeah. One last scene. Rory stops by Chris's. Yeah, that's right. Rory drives to Christopher's and she gets right down to business. She walks in and she's like, hey, uh, I don't want you calling mom anymore. She's in a relationship now and she's doing really great and you'll mess it up. You'll mess everything up. It always ends the same. With mom crying and you not there. I know it isn't your fault, but that's how it is. And then she's just like, anyway, gotta go. And then she just fucking leaves. This could have been an email, Rory. That's a long way to drive. Yeah. Rory this season is doing a lot of, like, quick visits, right? She was with Dean for, like, a minute and a half while she was on the phone with Lane. And now she's at her dad's, which is, like, three hours away for, like, two, like a minute. She gets good gas miles with that Prius. Might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but like, oof, this scene. Oh, man, she just like rips his heart out and leaves. Now, well, I get it, though, because she's not like wrong. There was chemistry, again, between Lorelai and Christopher. And in addition to that, I feel like it's easy for Christopher to like try to like snap Lorelai up into helping raising that kid by starting a relationship with her. Yeah. And part of Lorelai probably wouldn't hate helping him raise that kid. And he's got a mommy void. That she could fill well. Yep. And one of the things she specifically said about Luke, which is interesting, she's like, she's in, he's in a relationship now, and she's happy, and he's there, and then she stops saying anything. Which makes me think that maybe she hasn't totally forgiven Luke for how he treated Dean. 
or can't think of another thing she likes about Luke or doesn't want to tell him. It's just like a little weird that she stopped there. But yeah, I didn't think about that. She did mention specifically that he's there. So I don't know. It's like, oh, the scene. I don't know how I feel about it. This is such a big thing for her to do without like telling her mother. Yeah, you said you didn't like that she did it secretly. Yeah, it's just so like, this is your mom's decision. And if your mom's going to make a mistake, you got to let her do it. Just like your mom has let you make mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's also just very unlike Rory in the past. Like Rory went to her grandparents to ask for money for Yale behind her mother's back. But that was something that affected Rory's life specifically. She essentially was like, I'm going to come to Friday night dinners. This does not involve my mom. So I'm not making life decisions for my mother. So she has a history of doing things like this, but not like making decisions for other people's lives. Right. And it's not like she's been with Luke that long. Yeah. It makes me wonder if maybe her experience with Dean and Lindsay has like enlightened her a little bit more about relationships and like the temptations that exist there to cheat. Perhaps. Yeah. Or like how unstable marriages can be. She was on like fine terms with her dad at the moment too. Like she she was very betrayed by him after he like was going to be with her mom and then decided to be with Sherry. But then she was the one that like started making things right with him before he and Lorelai did. Yeah. And even, she even says, like, I know it's not your fault. So she's not like, you're a villain. What she did, though, must have made her dad feel like shit. Yeah. Like, I don't want to stay. I drove all this way to yell at you and point out that I don't want you in my mom's life. I could understand if she stayed and was like, listen, I still want a relationship with you. I think you're great. You're my dad. But like, I just, I need to talk to you. Like, I don't want mom to make a mistake here. That's tough love, but fine. I feel like she could have handled it more nicely. Yeah, it's oof, it's tough. But on the same token, I'm happy that she did that because I want Lorelai to be with Luke. I don't want Christopher coming in here with this bullshit chemistry out of nowhere. Fuck you, Chris. Get out of here. Well. Anyway, did you think this is a good episode? No. There was a lot of really fun stuff, but overall, it was kind of disappointing. There's a lot of Norman Mailer talking to that guy, and it's just kind of like mumbling, and I'm just like, do you know you're in a show right now? Like... <laughs> Make this a little entertaining. Also, like, do you know that you're coming across like a douche? Is that your... I think that might be sort of his persona, though, that he wants people to see. So I, I just didn't really enjoy any of that storyline, really. I mean, some of Zuki's stuff was kind of funny, but it wasn't particularly interesting. She, she's pregnant. That's big. But that was, like, at the very end. Yeah, and also just not, like, I don't know. Like, I assume she's going to get pregnant again. Right, because they set that up in the election episode that they were trying to. Yeah. Rory... Trying to write the story about the internet downloading was kind of boring. Mm -hmm. But the Paris stuff was fun. Doyle was fun. I thought Logan was entertaining enough. Like her finding out about the secret society and like her interactions with Logan, I thought were well acted and well written. Yeah. Like when she confronts him, I thought that was kind of cool to like ask him to be in the story. I thought they yeah. both played that scene really well. The Christopher stuff wasn't particularly fun to watch either because he was just like so pathetic, like I said. Yeah. But a lot of it's very set up y. We're setting up some interesting things. We're setting up a potential conflict with Christopher. We're setting up something with this story Rory's writing. I believe that this clandestine meeting that Rory had is going to come up and Lorelai's not going to be happy about it. Yeah, perhaps. But yeah, other than a few scenes that I mentioned, nothing like particularly stood out in this episode. I didn't remember it very well. Yeah. It also wasn't, it, it, like every Gilmore Girls, it definitely had funny, good jokes. But it wasn't as funny as some other episodes have been. Yeah. Not bad. There's been worse episodes. It's just kind of filler. Yeah, honestly, I feel like it's much better than a lot of shows, even this episode. So when I say, like, you know, it could have had more jokes, it still had a lot more and better jokes than most shows. True. I didn't even catch 
the hand to mouth to moth disease until the second time through. There's something funny in there too because she she says it's a sequel to Mothman Prophecy and then she talks about how Jess never changed the porch light mm-hmm. and then Luke makes a joke about Jess being the sequel. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed myself watching it, but I, no, it wasn't that good of a Gilmore Girls episode as far as Gilmore Girl episodes go. Do you want to move on? To what? Like a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charm Season 5, Episode 6, The Eyes Have It. With her powers of premonition gone, Phoebe, Alyssa, (laughs) (laughs) Phoebe, Alyssa Milano. I don't know why that needs to be in this. Why is that? Why are the actors mentioned here? Okay, anyway. Sometimes they mention the actors, I guess, but never the main character. (laughs) Yeah, like, do we, who's in this show? I want to watch it. Honestly, though, I assumed Alyssa Milano was Piper this whole time, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. For finally stating the actors, season five, episode six, episode description. <clears throat> Alyssa Milano's character, Phoebe, seeks advice of a fortune teller and discovers that a demon, Cree, Chan and Roe, is stealing the eyes of gypsies in an attempt to reverse a curse placed on his father. So Cree's father is a vampire who's got a soul and he doesn't want it. You know what I mean? And he's tried banging girls, but he's just not in love with them. So You're mapping this onto the plot of Angel. Uh, is that what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wants to get rid of this curse. How does he do it? It's a curse on his father. <laughs> He's yeah. very worried about his father's yeah. sex life. Sex life? Well, he doesn't want his father to have to bang all these women that he's not into. Yeah, because he wants to bang these women. And his dad is way hotter. And he's got that, like, thrall. So he'll, like, bring a girl home. And then his dad will come down and be like, what's up, girl? Trying to lose his curse every time. But something that Angel doesn't know is that if you steal Gypsy's eyes, you can just reverse that curse. Yeah, I mean, it's a tale as all the time. You know, like, uh, you steal a gypsy's eyes, you break a curse. Does Angel want his curse reversed, though? No, he does not. Right, so that's why he doesn't do it. But he, still, he also doesn't know about it. Right, both are true. But Cree wants his father to be a demon again. Yeah. So he can, you know, have a good relationship with him and also bang all the women that his father's banging. Yeah, because as a demon, his dad just killed women. He didn't bang them. You know what I mean? So it's just much simpler. Anyway. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. But as we learned last time, Phoebe's and Cole's powers are gone because they were killed and then brought back to life by a boy who drew them as superheroes, but he just drew them as regular people. It's crazy to imagine Alyssa Milano with no powers. But I know. I mean, we were imagining her with no powers because she was Piper in our minds. Yeah, so it was a different type of no powers because <laughs> Piper's not good with magic. So now she's just like, how do I do magic? I don't know. Fortune tellers? So she's just like going to magic stores, but not like real ones like Giles owns, just like, you know, a place where you could buy like deck of cards and like a little plastic wand. Magic the Gathering cards. (laughs) She's desperate for what magic even is. Yeah. But I mean, luckily, the fortune teller she happened to go to knew what was up. So she tells Cree to stop it. And he's like, like, no. (laughs) (laughs) First he says no. Then he's like, all right. But eventually they just explain to Cree's dad, like, hey, if you're not in love with these girls, you won't lose your soul. So you got to like, you got to go out there and you got to really fall in love with someone to lose your soul. And he's all like, oh, all right, I guess I won't sleep with my son's girlfriends anymore. So Cree gets the girls. Maybe dad will get the girls someday. He's like, here, do you have any use for these gypsies eyes I've already stolen? And she's like, oh my God, we can use these to get our powers back. 
Yes. And she doesn't feel bad about it because they were already stolen. They're already gone. So, yes, it would be bad to rip out someone's eyes, but they're already ripped out. Yes. Use the whole buffalo. Use the whole buffalo. So she goes home and does a little spell to um, get her magic back with the gypsy's eyes. And it ends on a cliffhanger. We don't know if it worked. Um, I liked this one a lot. This is the best episode I've ever seen of any show. I wouldn't go that far, but... I've never seen a movie or show this good. Maybe The Best Charmed? Well, I mean, obviously. (laughs) Okay. I mean, this one had Alyssa Milano in it. We gotta go. We gotta go. (laughs) This has been... Shannon Rowe. I mean, this is like... This has been... Meanwhile on Charmed. All right, Stacey. We also watched Buffy. Can you please, please tell us all about family? God, it just it feels like I just want to introduce that like Fast and Furious. Family. It's all about family. So this episode is about... Um, family. Family. Yeah, it, it's about Tara's like dick of a dad coming to town and trying to tell her that he's her family. But really, the Scoobies are her family. Maybe. They don't really like her. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe by the end they pretend. They do? No, they like her. They just don't love her. Yeah. They're not her family. And there's like some Riley drama and some yeah. Dawn secrets. We'll get there. So Willow is at, I guess what we learn in this episode must be just Willow's room. Yeah. She's got her own room with a big bed. Luke must have taken her dorm-provided twin mattress and stored it in his garage. <laughs> yeah. Because later in this episode, we learn Buffy also has her own room. And Tara still has her painted black room from last season. Yeah. Did everyone just put off the conversation about where they're all going to live a little too long last season? So everyone's just paying a million dollars for a single dorm room? Yeah, it's very confusing. Anyway, Tara's sleeping over. The cat's playing. This is the first we've seen of the cat. Well, this is the last we see of the cat, too. Really? Mm-hmm. Where does she live? Does she have her own room, too? She dies off camera. <laughs> anyway. Tara's telling Willow a little bedtime story about the nonsense pound with all kinds of crazy animals. Willow's got a type, man. Doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. Just talk to her about random animal shit. She's good to go. (laughs) Yeah. Tara's still worried about not fitting in with the gang, and she's been looking up a lot of spells lately because she wants to be useful. They snuggle and go to sleep, but they mention that Buffy is investigating over at the factory. So this is still the same night as the end of the last episode when Buffy met the Beast and found out about Dawn from the monk. Mm Mm-hmm. So right after that, she invited Giles over to tell him about Dawn. Giles is worried about this beast lady coming after Dawn and pitches sending her to stay with their dad. But their dad, like Sherry, has bailed on his kids and moved to Europe. <laughs> right. With his secretary. Is Giles going to be Dawn's dad too, like he is to Buffy? I don't know. Seems that way. But Buffy's like... No, our our dad sucks, and this is my responsibility. They sent her to me. I have to take care of her. They decide that they're not going to tell Dawn or anyone else right now because people would act differently around her if they knew. So it's just safer if nobody knows. Because they know this beast lady's going to be coming for Dawn once she finds out what Dawn is. Yeah. And she is. She's managed to dig her way out of the building she stomped down, and she is upset. You thought she was done after the last episode. No. No, obviously not. So then everyone's helping Buffy move out of her single dorm room that we've never seen. No one's having a good time, especially Anya. She doesn't realize that Buffy's in the room, and she says, but we just helped her move in a few days ago. And then she notices Buffy and quickly adds, and it was fun. (laughs) Super funny. And Giles is like, people help each other out, Anya, as he just stands there flipping through a book, not helping, wearing some of Ethan Rain's clothes. (laughs) 
Does he say they're Ethan Rain's clothes? No, he's just got like a very un-Giles shirt on. Okay. He's like, what? I saw myself in a more patriarchal role. Lots of pointing and scowling. <laughs> and he quickly puts himself to good use in this role by breaking up a tussle between Riley and Xander because Riley called Xander a bad name. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's just so stupid. We do see Riley call him a crybaby, but then later Xander's like, maybe it was Latin. I didn't know it. So I don't know if it was like a different name he called him or if he meant crybaby. Yeah. They only stop when Buffy threatens to hurt them. And Buffy says that she's moving back home because of her mom being sick. And since she's spending so little time in the dorm, it would be a waste of money. Yeah, but not a waste of money to pay for two separate single rooms instead of living with your best friend who you lived with last year. <laughs> yeah. It's upsetting. I know. This really bothered you a lot. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that they're all living separately. Yeah, I agree. Her mom probably is part of why she's moving home, but I think it's mostly to keep tabs on Dawn. Yeah. They're all kind of talking about how they're going to find the beast and figure out how to kick her ass. And then Tara makes some dumb joke about her insect reflection. Tara, no. Shut up, Tara. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone just stares at her like, what? What are you talking about? We didn't even know you were here until you said something. Xander makes the jokes, okay? You don't. She tries to explain why it was funny, which doesn't make her seem any cooler. So she rightfully leaves the room. (laughs) I'm being mean, but... We're being mean on purpose. It wasn't her best moment. Willow then comes in and reminds everyone of Tara's birthday tomorrow night at the Bronze. They're all like, seriously, Willow, did you hear what she just said? (laughs) None of us really liked her anyway, but now... We're being, we are joking. We do not hate Tara. We don't hate Tara. We, we are kidding. It's just funny because everyone's sort of, and the cast doesn't like hate Tara either. I feel like they just don't know her. I think the show makes it pretty clear that they just don't know her very well. Yes. We are, we are being funny. Yeah. Don't send us letters. We don't hate Tara, but we wouldn't know what to get her for her birthday either. So. No, no. Probably something stupid because she likes all kinds of dumb shit. So, uh, go <laughs> They all just look at Willow like, yeah, yeah, we we totally want to do that. And we had not forgotten about this party at all. We'll be there. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Ben's just part of the show now. He's just got his own freaking scenes without Buffy or anyone else that we know in them. (laughs) I know what. He's talking to another hospital worker. Seems like there's a bit of a random craziness problem of Bruin and Sunnydale. Much like the security guard and the guy who thought he was a cat, there's another patient who's suddenly fallen mentally ill. Ben is done for the day, so he goes to the locker room and takes off his shirt. Looking good. Looking pretty good, yeah. He's about to take off his pants, too, but the camera pans over to a lurking sort of clown-faced demon with like a real frisky tongue. This demon is on its way to do Lord knows what to Ben's abs when it's interrupted (laughs) by the beast. She covers his mouth and tells him she needs a favor. Later, we see that she has shackled this demon up in her giant walk-in closet, and she wants his help dealing with this real tough blonde chick who kind of ruined her day yesterday. Through grunts, this demon lets her know that Buffy, the woman in question, is a vampire slayer. She's like, ugh, how common. Almost like she's embarrassed that someone so ordinary bested her. Right. And she mentions that she's someone with a holy name. It's not really explained, but just saying what she said. Couldn't tell you what it is. Well, you've already told me, but I don't know yet, so I'm going to pretend I don't. It's the master, too. (laughs) The anointed girl. (laughs) But she tells the clown demon to get his... They give the demon a name, but I'm going to call him the clown demon because it doesn't matter. He is, honestly, his design is pretty dumb. Yeah, his tongue is the coolest part. She tells him to get his friends and go kill Buffy. He's like, cool, cool. 
can you untie me? She like overpowers him pretty strongly too, right? Like he like doesn't want to really work for her, but then she like grabs him and yeah. makes it clear that he's not a threat to her. Right. At the magic box, Anya is now maybe a little too aggressively nice to customers. <laughs> She's like, have a good day. Come back. Buy more of our stuff. She's just like shouting like six things after this person. Just very jazzed about consumerism and money exchange and having a place in the world now. Giles tells her to organize the shipping orders. She's like, nah, it's boring. I just want to do the money parts. These two have come so far. Remember when she was a demon and he like cast her powers out of her? Yeah, and she was going to kill him. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. They hated each other. It's a long road that they've traveled together. You know, they're like work friends. Yeah. Buffy and Xander come in talking about how bullshit Tara's party is going to be. <laughs> Neither of them are particularly excited to go, but Xander points out that it's very important to Willow. That's so sweet. Giles has this whole table full of open books. He's been trying to learn more about the beast, but they don't really have a lot to go off of at this point since she just looks like a lady. Buffy and Xander kind of dive into some of that and continue their discussion about Tara. Now, earlier in the dorm, Xander mentioned that he'd already gotten Tara a present. Buffy now wants to know what that present is. He's like, yeah, I, I lied about that. And they both agree that they like don't really know or get Tara, but she's nice. You know, the thing when like you just kind of don't vibe with someone because you don't know them that well, but they're like someone that's important to someone to you. So you just like hammer home the idea that they're nice. Yeah. She's so nice. I, I just didn't really, but she's nice. You know, like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they're doing. That's like when a comedian isn't funny on stage, but you don't dislike them. You're like, oh my God, that guy is He's so such a nice, nice guy. Yeah. He's funny, right? So nice. So nice. His jokes are nice. My problem with this scene is Xander looks hot. Yeah. <laughs> it was very distracting. His hair is falling in a nice way, and you know what it is? They gave him a very normal shirt. It's, they gave him one color. It's one color, not nine different patterns, and he's being a very good friend to Willow in this scene. Yeah. Just like all of that was really making something happen within me, and... <laughs> and you're embarrassed. I was upset that, that I felt these things. So funny. This is a good episode for you. You got to see Ben's abs. <laughs> Xander being normal. You love clown face. <laughs> it really almost felt like he was his good character from the twin episode. Well, I think the twin episode is like a turning point for him, right? Yeah. And so was episode one where he's like, I'm not going to be everyone's butt monkey anymore. And then the third episode sort of like the universe telling him that, you know, you don't have to be a total loser. Yeah. I just think maybe the episodes between this and that hadn't focused too much on him. But we're really right. kind of seeing now that he learned from that. Yeah, right after the episode, I'm guessing he just like went and started buying like Gap solid colored shirts because up until this episode, he always dressed like a Rocco's modern life character, like just absurd. <laughs> but I have to admit that I was like, yeah, he, and he's also fucking buff now. Yeah, I mean, the shirts, it's it's tight. It's a tight, solid color shirt. Yeah. I think he, he was just like shot in a way that made him look really nice. Yeah. Well, cut to Spike's fantasy. In it, he and Buffy are fighting in his crypt. Eventually, she ends up like, jumping up onto his lap. She's like standing on his knees while he's sitting on the stairs and like still punching him in the head. It's kind of not possible unless her yeah. arms are somehow like extendable. But then he spreads her legs and she falls onto him in kind of a sexy way. They tussle a bit. He's like, you want me, Slayer? Come and get me. And she's like, oh, I'm coming. I'm coming right now. Cut to Harmony coming? <laughs> kind of not even suggestive. It's just like, this is sex. <laughs> yeah, this is the end of sex. This was all the fantasy Spike was having while he and Harmony have sex 
more under the covers than I've ever seen anyone have sex. I know it's TV. I know they have to do it. They're doing it to cover up Harmony's boobs, but it's just so unnatural. They're all the way up. And it's not even like a sexily draped sheet, like in where the wild things are. It's like a full, thick ass quilt. Do you guys have sex under the sheets? Maybe, maybe your bottom half is under the sheets. Sure. Maybe you start under the sheets. Okay. But this was like, okay, Harmony, I'm going to get inside of you. And then I've got a quick pull up the blanket all the way up to our necks. Like a little cape. Tuck, tuck <laughs> us in on the sides. Okay. And begin. Harmony's like, what are you thinking about? And Spike says, all about you, baby. Why? <laughs> Back at the magic box, they still have no idea what they're going to get Tara. Giles, who's come down from the upstairs. There's like a secret little room upstairs we haven't seen yet. He's like, uh, my shop's full of stuff Tara would like, baby, and I'm getting her a crystal ball. And then this random dopey hillbilly customer starts looking through all the books on the table. He's like, you guys witches or something? As they should, they kind of treat him like, you're kind of not part of this, buddy. Don't don't talk to us. Turns out that general vibe runs in the family because this is Tara's brother, Donnie. I called it like right before they said it. He just kind of almost looked like her Mm -hmm. and he seemed very interested in witchcraft. But just then Tara and Willow come bouncing in and he's like, what's the matter? No hug for your big brother? Oh. Any confidence that Tara has found in the last season is gone. She's back to her stammery self. And not only is her brother in town, but her father and her cousin, Amy Adams. (laughs) I like the idea that it it is Amy Adams (laughs) playing Amy Adams. Yeah. Tara is very not excited that these people are here. She calls her dad sir, like he's a military dad, but I don't think he is. Oh, man, I have cousins that do that, and it's all, I, I just want to be like, please don't call him that. He doesn't deserve that. They call their dad sir? Mm-hmm. It's a very religious family. I just, oh, I hate it. It's so gross. Oof. She seems very intimidated by her dad. Yeah. Buffy goes home. Riley comes bouncing down the stairs? Does he live there now? I thought he had a place. What is going on with people's living situations? I think they justify because he was helping move some of Buffy's stuff back, I guess. They do. I don't know. They do. But much like the Dean wearing the cowboy hat, it was just like five seconds of what's going on? Yeah. Why are you at the house? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was putting the stuff from her dorm in her room. And that now Buffy owes him a favor. Like maybe a blowjob. It gets very sexy. She tells him there might be outfits involved. She does owe him a favor. All right. You okay? Selma Shogella does sexy well, okay? She does that sexy stuff really well. And Riley does it by doing baby voice. Yeah, Riley does not. Can we get someone else in there, please? <laughs> it was cute. He did like a little pouty lip, but she was on a different level of sexuality. This, of course, is interrupted by Dawn, because we can't do two quilt sex scenes in one show. <laughs> she is not being annoying for once. She's just trying to go to her friend's house across the street for dinner. And Buffy's like, absolutely not. That is not safe. Dawn isn't happy about this news, but somehow does not push back like at all. I'd be like, no, I'm going to go over your head to mom on this one. I'm just going across the street. What are you talking about? Why would you dare mention Joyce and heads? (laughs) Because of her headaches? (laughs) Joyce is not around in this episode, though. She is either well enough to go to work or she's just in bed. Who knows? Maybe Riley had carried her to bed. That's where she was. Probably. Kissed her on the head, told her she looked great. (laughs) Uh, That's a reference to a previous episode in case you were like, what the fuck? (laughs) You look great, Joyce. Okay, just put me down, please. No, I want to carry you around some more. I think Buffy's home. She can wait. (laughs) 
You owe me a favor. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. But to Buffy, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> just very funny. All right, I'm back. But to Buffy, Riley says, you're going to be a crazy girl as far as her dawn restrictions. I mean, from his point of view, she is. Yes. I mean, from anyone's point of view. I can't believe Dawn was not more bothered or didn't just like go. You can't go across the street to your friend's house because it's not safe. What the fuck? It's daytime. What? Yeah. Bobby tries to justify to Riley that it's because of the new demon lady. She just wants everybody to be extra cautious, which is true, but she's not telling him everything and he can sense that. So he's like, whatever, this fucking always happens with you. I'm leaving. He's understandably frustrated because this does kind of always happen. And I also feel like it would be fine to tell Riley because Riley doesn't have like a shit ton of Dawn memories. That's true. Yeah. He's a bit of an outsider. So I feel like it wouldn't be that crazy. And then she would have someone she could confide in and also make Riley feel relevant, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she's like made a big deal out of like, I trust you more than anyone. So, yeah. Tara has gone back to her expensive giant private room where her dad has let himself in. He's a little concerned with how much magic paraphernalia she seems to be hanging out with because Tara is about to turn 20. When that happens, some kind of big evil thing will inevitably be released from her, just like her mother. She's like, I I, I don't know, I I don't feel evil. We'll get into this in a bit, but is her mom dead? We don't see her mom. I think her mom is dead. They don't really say. I don't remember them saying her mom was dead in the past. Like, is her was her mom evil? Spoilers, Tara's not. So my thought is, and you know, maybe people out there actually know the answer to this, but I feel like her mom probably was a witch because I think there's some indication that... She said her mom was a powerful witch when she meets Willow in Hush. Right. And I think she may have done something bad. I think that like the ability to do magic might be somewhat uh, hereditary, Mm -hmm. like just your natural ability to be good at it. And so I think that maybe her family has had this for a while and maybe her mom had it. And maybe kind of decided to like break the rules and do some magic because she was really good at it. And maybe hurt some people. Much like when Willow accidentally using magic has hurt people. Not necessarily that her mom did something evil. But like, you know, like Willow did the uh, the spell where every time she said something, it came true. Like making yeah. Giles blind. Maybe she did something like that, which was a mistake. But like the family was like, no, you're evil. This is why we don't do magic. That's what I would suspect. Okay. Well... Regardless, her dad wants her to leave school and come home with them tomorrow. He says it's the only way. A little later, Willow comes to visit. She says that Giles is having a Scooby meeting to talk about the new big bad. She wants Tara to come, and she wants to try that demon-finding spell that they tried last season. Remember, the one where Tara tossed her demon-finding dust under the bed, making the spell not work? They remind us of this in the previously on. Tara's like, shut up, Willow. I'm tired and not everything's about your friends and stuff. She says this in a much nicer way. But Willow's clearly like kind of bummed, but pretends everything's cool and leaves. She's like, okay, you're in a mood. We'll deal with that later. And then Tara opens a book and has an idea. At the magic shop, the gang is beginning their meeting. But Tara creeps in from the back room and says a little spell and then blows some kind of dust at them. They all have this brief moment of like, what? What's just... What? What were we saying? Huh? Huh? But then back to business. MBD, right? No big deal. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Meanwhile, Riley's boozing it up at Willie's place. What is this? Things aren't that bad, Riley. You hang out at the demon bar. You hate it there. Willie, who's now a different man, tells us that Riley comes in there every night. 
which is dangerous because demons know that he used to be like a demon hunter. Right. I mean, they can't attack him there. I mean, I guess they could. It's like a code not to, right? Right. But it, it has happened. I just want to point out, though, real quick, that he like pulled a gun on some woman who was there. And was like, ah, why are you here? You know, you're probably a demon. Well, he's just a regular dude hanging out there. So it's like, oh, a little bit of a hypocrite. Sure, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta be among the demons when mm-hmm. you're facing your own demons. And then Sandy shows up. Yes. Remember Sandy? The girl that evil Willow bit in Doppelgangland? Yeah. We talked about this then, but we don't see her get turned into a vampire in that episode. That's right. But that must happen at some point in the timeline. This is that woman, so it must yeah. have happened. It's the same actress, too. I went back and double-checked. And it's the same actress that plays Logan's girlfriend. It's not, but (laughs) I also (laughs) cross-referenced that woman. It's funny. Riley offers to buy her a drink, and then she propositions him. But he's like, no, no, I'm in love with someone else. I also totally know that you're a vampire. And then she's all, like, sad. I don't know if sad's the word. (laughs) She's all like, oh, you know? Oh, fuck. (laughs) Meanwhile, Spike is having a romantic evening himself, just kind of staring into the eyes of his buffy mannequin head. (laughs) Harmony comes home and he throws it on the ground. She's just returned from shopping, a.k.a. killing the clerk and stealing everything. So she gives him some exposition here, but I love that it's just like in Harmony style vampire goss. (laughs) She's like, oh, I ran into Carol Beats. Do you know Carol, who sired Brandon from the sewer gang? But Carol said that the clown demon is recruiting his brethren to kill the Slayer. Spike doesn't like this. Buffy can't die. He loves her. So Spike's on his way to watch this happen, he tells Harmony. We all know he's going to save her. Mm-hmm. Tara's just out walking in the darkness and runs into cousin Amy Adams. She too is like, it's really important for women to be oppressed in our family. <laughs> and when Willow informs her that she will not be going home, Amy Adams is all like, you bitch, I hope your friends find out how shitty you are. And they will, unless you do some kind of spell on them. But Tara's no poker player. And Amy Adams can tell she already did a spell to them. Yeah. So she's going to go tattle. Tara's like, no, it was just a little spell to keep them from seeing the demon part of me. Please don't tell my dad. I think this is the first time she like specifically labels that she thinks she's a demon. Buffy's just doing some real quick night yoga in the back of the magic shop. The move she's doing, I think she uses in the upcoming fight. There's a bell ring at the front door. Willow answers it. And there's about three clown demons just standing there. But Willow doesn't see them. Tara's spell has kept them from seeing any demon. That's no good. It's not good. So the clowns let themselves in and just casually browse, using their tongues to sniff for Buffy. But Buffy can kind of sniff them too. They start to fight her, but she can like sense them. She calls for help. Of course, none of them can see the demons, but Xander can feel that he's being strangled, for example. And Anya and Willow know what's up. So they hit the invisible demon. Giles quickly hides Dawn under a desk. See, he cares. And then Spike shows up. He's in the back room watching Buffy getting beaten up by these demons. He kind of watches gleefully for like a second, but then has this look like, oh, I guess I better help. Yeah. So maybe part of him did want to watch her die, but like the love part is just a little bit stronger. I mean, I think he's torn right now. Yeah. Like he is evil and like he hates her, but I think it's like a love hate sort of. It, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he is evil. Yes, he should hate Buffy because Buffy by nature wants to kill him, even though she doesn't. Right. But they've also set up that he is like, Someone that falls pretty hard in love. Yes. Like, he loved Drew. Yeah. Any whose ways. He grabs one of them off of her, because he can see them. He's like, you're welcome, like a puppy dog. (laughs) He's just 
It's like sad. She didn't say thank you. Well, he knows puppy dog is the kind of sex talk she's into right now. Yeah. He keeps fighting one of them in the back. Scoobies are having a hell of a time fighting the other ones. But then Tara comes in. She lifts the spell. Now these things are pretty easy for Buffy to fight. Tara's family shows up during all this. And Tara confesses what she did. That she did this to hide what she is. Willow and Buffy are like, what do you mean? And her dad's like, allow me. She's a demon. All the women in our family are, so I shut them up at home and I love it. <laughs> Buffy's kind of pissed at Tara because this could have gotten them killed, specifically yeah. Dawn. Tara does just feel like awful, though. And Willow's defending her, saying it was just a mistake. You know, sometimes spells go wrong. Tara's dad's like, I don't care what you think, little girl. What's this guy going to do when he finds out Tara's a lesbian? I get the sense he wouldn't be cool with that either. I think he'll just explode. <laughs> Willow, understandably, feels a bit betrayed but she doesn't just want to let Tara leave with these people, and Tara doesn't want to go either. But then, Buffy decides it's time to be a good friend to Willow and stand up for Tara. She tells Tara's dad that if she wants to take Tara, he's got to go through her. And Don's like, and me! He's like, trust me, I'd love to hit a woman, but I'm not going to be threatened. <laughs> I am not going to be threatened by two little girls. And Giles is like, oh, it's not just two little girls. You also shall have to pass through I, a very nerdy man who's just adjusted his glasses a little. <laughs> I've adjusted them to their fighting position. <laughs> just like, you're not that scary either. I mean, this man isn't like a big scary man either. He's an old. But then also sexy buff Xander. <laughs> <laughs> Xander's like, me too. And I've got huge rippling muscles and a good personality this episode. You're going to have to go through all of us. And Spike's like, except me, I, I do not care what happens. That was so funny. And it's funny too because Xander like echoes, except Spike. <laughs> her dad's all like, w -w -w what? You have no right. We're her blood kin. Who the hell are you? And Buffy's like, we're family. Honestly, all of this is cheesy as fuck. Super cheesy. Maybe that was the point, but it just, it felt like a play or like a full house episode. Yeah, was, totally. and the blocking even felt like a play. Yeah, there was just like this cheesy after school special music under it. We're a family, us and, what's it again? Tara. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, maybe it was supposed to be kind of a joke or like tongue in cheek. I don't think so. I think it's supposed to be sweet as hell. It just felt like a lot. I mean, it is Sort of sweet in a vacuum. It's nice, yes. But it didn't feel genuine. If because like because early in this episode they're like, "What's her deal again?" And now it's like she's our family. And Buffy was just annoyed with her for endangering them. Yeah, Xander leading it would have been a little better, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, even if like if like Willow had been hurt, she's like, "No, Willow's our family." Okay, sure, yeah, but yeah. like anyway. I know I've been joking about the dad being awful, but the brother then does straight up threaten to beat Tara up if she doesn't come home with him. <laughs> And then Xander threatens to beat up the brother, and he's immediately like, oh, okay, never mind. You're buff as shit, dude. I'm out. <laughs> oh, damn, you look good too, man. Amy Adams is like, well, I hope you're happy with this gross demon friend you're all so excited about. And then Anya chimes in. She's like, what kind of demon is she exactly? There's a lot of demons. Some are bad, and some are useful members of society. <laughs> like me, Wink. Like me. Her family's like, I don't, I don't know. She's just, she's just evil. We don't like her. And Spike's like, oh, I can help. And he just like punches Tara in the face. Obviously, it hurts her, but it also hurts Spike, proving she's not a demon. Oh, Spike, it's so sweet that you punched Tara. <laughs> right in the face. And this so upsets the family, because they had wanted to be the ones to punch her. <laughs> <And> <laughs> 
And then Spike goes on to be like, huh, so this whole evil thing is just like a family legend to keep the ladies in line? You're a piece of work, dude. I like you. (laughs) Then Spike leaves. Tara and Willow are just like thrilled to find out she's not a demon. Her dad's like, you're really going to turn your back on your family? We've taken care of you and supported you for 18 years. So she's about to turn 20. Which year in there were they not supporting her? (laughs) It was a real rough year where she was 11 and they just like sent her out in the street for a while. You point out they might have meant like because she's been at college for a year. That's what I assumed. But But it's still a weird wording choice. Yeah. But Tara's like, Dad, just, just go. I don't. I don't need a whole speech. You guys are obviously trash. Even you, Amy Adams. Have fun with them and all your movies. Finally, it's time for Tara's party at the Bronze. Everyone's having fun. Even Dawn's there, you know, child at a bar. Everyone is like drinking here, but I don't think anyone's old enough. No, Dawn mentions having a stamp on her hand and that only losers drink alcohol, which clearly the rest of them are doing. But you're right. When Dawn says that, Xander and Buffy kind of look around like maybe it is wrong that they're drinking. And Riley was the one that, like, brought over cups. Xander already had one, but they're Rory's age. Yeah. I can tell you for a fact, we see Rory's 21st birthday, and we haven't seen it yet. You turn 21 your junior year of college, assuming you're a traditional student. Yeah, and I just, just to clear this up, I don't think there's anything wrong with them drinking, specifically because they've, like, saved the world, like, a hundred times. Like, they can have a drink. Like, right. So I'm not shitting on them, but it's just an interesting thing to bring up while they're drinking. I was just confused what they were trying to say in this moment with like Dawn's comment and Buffy and Xander's reaction. Riley must be 21. He's older. Yeah. That's why they keep him around. To attract the older crowd to the show? To, no, to get beer. Oh. <laughs> There's a cute moment where Dawn kind of goes running around like a freaking toddler, honestly. like She's just like running around between people at the bar. But Buffy and Giles kind of both like catch her as if she's like a baby that's about to fall. Mm -hmm. It simultaneously was sweet because Giles is helping protect her, but also weird that she's just running. (laughs) Again, she's written to be a much younger character, I think. But even if she was supposed to be like eight, this is not something, whatever, whatever. Tara loves Giles' crystal ball. He's like so proud. Yeah. Dawn gives her a broomstick. But as I said, even Riley shows up. He kisses Buffy. I guess they're fine for now. It seemed kind of like an intense walk away earlier. He wants that favor, man. Yeah. (laughs) Before I leave you, you owe me a favor. I carried your mom to bed. Joyce is asleep. I thought something was going to happen with her. She's so tired. Oh my God, what's wrong with her? I'm so hot though. Tara's still trying to explain her insect joke to Anya, who of course would be the first to point out when something's not funny and does. I know Anya changes her hair a lot, but I think she, like, got bangs mid-episode. I was like, who is that? Oh, it's Anya. (laughs) Then Willow interrupts this to ask Tara to dance. Tara tells Willow that she didn't tell her about her family because she didn't think she'd want to be with her if she knew the kind of people she came from. Willow's like, no, opposite. I see where you came from, and I know who you are now, and it makes me proud and love you more. That was sweet. That was sweet. That was really sweet. And Tara's like, even when I'm at my worst, you make me feel special. How do you do that? And Willow says, magic. Zoom out to see them just, like, floating? Is that actually happening? Yeah, I think so. If so, why are none of the other dancing couples weirded out? I would agree with you other than, like, every other night the bronze is raided by, like, killers and demons. Sure. So they're probably like, sure, this is the least miraculous thing I've seen this week at the bronze. Last time I saw Willow here, she killed this girl named Sandy. But that's, that's the episode. Did you think it was a good one? Um... I thought it was okay. It's like Gilmore in that it, like, it wasn't great, and there was some real cheese layered throughout this. Yeah. 
But um, there was some fun stuff. It was fun to learn. I really liked the twist that Tara isn't a demon. Yeah. I thought that was clever because it was like, no, it's a total misdirect. She's not a demon. She doesn't even know that. Yeah, I figured she would like be a demon, but maybe still good. Right, and they could have gone that way. Mm-hmm. I think we were all waiting for that, where she was either really evil or like she's actually good. But no, she's just a person. I also thought it was nice to acknowledge that she's an outsider a bit from the Scooby's point of view, like Buffy and Xander both acknowledging, like, we don't really know her that well. Yeah. But like, overall, I didn't like the demons are like, whatever. They were silly. There were some funny lines. I, I, I would say it was, pretty, it was pretty good, but not amazing. We didn't get much of the Beast, but what we did get of her was good. I, I still enjoy her character. Yeah, I think it's the last episode with her in it. Oh, okay. I think she's gone now. Amy Adams isn't famous at this point. I think she's been in a couple episodes of things. Yeah. But what was the point of her character? Just to have like a nice, friendly female in this family so that we're not just like, all these men are being mean to Tara. The women believe it too. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't tell you. Because like, is she a demon? They said all the women in their family. It just felt like a, I don't know. And maybe I wish it was just her dad or something. Because it was weird to have this whole like collective of people. Well, I feel like having the whole collective really makes you feel like, oh, she must be a demon, though, because they all think that. They're really worried about it, yeah. I, I do think having, like, a pretty woman also believe it somehow makes it seem less shitty and more believable. Yeah, I mean, still shitty at the end when you find out what it is. Yeah, but, like, but she also might not know that it's a lie. Yeah, exactly. She, I, No, there's no way. She 100% believes that it's real. Also, what are they going to do for her if she is a demon? Lock her up? I mean, I'm guessing, I don't think we really go into her family life anymore. There's definitely not another, like, Tara family episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing they just make them follow super strict rules, you know, maybe even, like, check them for magic supplies and stuff every once in a while. Like, that's what I would guess. Yeah, because her dad's like, you doing magic's only going to make it worse when he sees her room. So, which one do we think was better? I think probably Buffy. Yeah, I think Buffy, too. They're really both kind of just okay. Yeah. But I think that there were some moments in Buffy that I enjoyed more than the moments mm-hmm. in Gilmore Girls. Like, mm-hmm. as cheesy as the end was, like, the Spike stuff was all really funny. Yeah. And it, it was cool to see Xander be a good friend to Willow. I mean, and it was, like, kind of a big thing to finally learn to deal with Tara. It's kind of been a slight mystery all along. Like, we were never like, Tara's going to be bad. We should be worried about that. It was always just like, remember, Tara's got a little mystery. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Gilmore has a lot of stuff going for it. It's really doing that, like, twist ending thing. I feel like that's something they're, a trope they're using a lot since the last season. Gilmore Girls? Yeah. Twist ending? Yeah. Like, tick, tick, boom. Oh, Where it's sure. like, boom. And then this one was a twist ending where it's like, oh, Rory's visiting Christopher? Oh, to tear his heart out and then leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not expect that. Glass apples, maybe it's kind of like that too. That's not bad that they're doing that. I just meant like, you can't like give the whole episode props for that little twist they like tack on in the end. Yeah, th- there were some good scenes in Gilmore Girls too, but I don't know that they were as like important as the good scenes in this episode. Yeah. Okay, we decided. But I mean, both episodes at the end of the day are about a father that doesn't know how to raise his daughter. Yes, and also a father learning he's got to help with this kid now, Giles and Christopher. Mm. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 7, Fool for Love. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 7, You Jump, I Jump, Jack. I'm under the impression these are both kind of well-liked episodes. Couldn't tell you. I don't even remember this, Buffy. Okay. It's hard for me to, I'm not even having flashbacks of it, honestly. It's all ancient history to me, so. 
I know what it's about. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. What'd you think of Ben's abs? What'd you think of Xander's arms? What'd you think about Rory coming to tell that to her dad? Do you think that Rory from before sleeping with Dean would have done that? Or do you think this is like new Rory? We feel a little bad for Riley here, right? Do you guys know who Norma Mailer is? Are you fans pre-Gilmore Girls? If you're dating someone and they're like, yeah, I've had five previous spouses. Yes, I tried to stab one of them. Are you going to be on board? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy, and our non-Buffy Gilmore TikTok, Brian and Stacy. With dots between the words. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please, 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 please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout out on an upcoming show. We are going to go watch the finale of Severance. We have not told you about it, but we've been watching it and we love it. So here's a late plug. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. We are so excited. It's it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. And then we're going to watch the other shows. With Mike. With Mike. Buffy the Gilmore Slayer